Welcome to the DC Daily Drop, your one-stop shop for today's important news in DC movies, TV, and comics. Here are your hosts, Tom and Zach. Hello and welcome to the DC Daily Drop. I'm Tom, and I'm back again with Travis to recap this week. Hi, Travis. Hi, Tom. You excited to talk some DC TV? Always, always. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's Supergirl this week. What did you think of this episode? Well, as you know, I was looking forward to this episode quite a bit because I'm a big uh, John Jones, Martian Manhunter fan, and it didn't disappoint. I was actually pretty happy with this episode, even though like like they could have shown a little tiny bit more the Green Martian like for both for both John and his father. But I'm okay with it because like you know there is a budget, but yeah. it was a solid episode across the board in my opinion. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, there was action, but it was the the point of this episode was very emotional, both with John and his father, and of course Maggie and her father. Uh, lot of father issues in this episode and that's really what it focused on and the supergirl action sort of took a backseat to that yeah i wrote down that both john's father and uh, maggie's father both didn't like didn't approve of what they did essentially run away and uh, in maggie's case being homosexual like i don't like but john's father was able to see like see after that it was john and that he did make the right decision in leaving like because he didn't think there was anyone else there but uh, Maggie's father could not come to grips with her decision. Yeah, and her her dad was. It wasn't just that. Well, maybe. I, I mean, it's tough to read. It wasn't just that she's homosexual, but maybe in how people uh, view her and view his family, because you know that's one more strike against them is the way he sees it. So, man, that was really tough to watch between Maggie and her father. I mean, it felt very real and just very challenging to watch because you just felt bad for maggie and everything she's been through and just a really tough situation it was like great acting across the board and you also seen like look how look at the support system that alex has had all her life like with her mother her mother was done better parenting like when it comes to this like this department than both of maggie's parents did and it was only like 10 minutes of talking to her really right yeah uh we see right away how accepting eliza is cool with it and she's great to maggie the opposite um with her father you know i was kind of i was surprised her father showed up almost after you know not being he was 14 that made it that much worse when he walked away yeah because you could see how much they had in common and how much she truly loved her father and just wanted her father to accept her as who she was but i feel like at the end it did give her some great closure because like she's seen that it made him uncomfortable like he left immediately when they kissed Mm -hmm. and he, he made noise to draw attention to him leaving and they just had, she just let know that like her life is great now she's happy and i thought that was a great ending to that little story arc yeah it wasn't the typical sort of hollywood happy ending but i think it was almost better because it was more of a real ending and maggie was able to find peace with it in her own way and i thought that was pretty cool how they handled it same here and then to go from that to john's father where when he finally realized it was john like that was that was beautiful like he was he was so happy yeah and that and that memory, oh my God, with the, with John's two daughters, that was that was a great scene. Yeah, I got to say how great it is to have Carl Lumbly on the show. You know, the former Martian Manhunter from Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. Awesome to see him. Really cool to see him. You know, in Martian form and human form, whatever. Awesome to have him back, and he did a great job in, the, in his first episode. Oh, agreed. And you could tell that, uh, like, you could even hear hints of John Jones from JL, the animated series, in his voice. Right. And that used to give me chills every time. I was like, oh, there's John. Oh, oh, there he is again. (laughs) Yeah, it was great to have him back. And you definitely feel for 
John in this when his father says like, you know, you, you know, you're just testing. You can't be my real son. My real son never would have left and all stuff. Like that. Oh yeah, it was and it was a great performance by David Harewood too. I thought that they're they're giving him a little bit more to sink his teeth into this year. Yeah, absolutely. And he apparently has a cool flying car. Yeah, like why don't why don't your car shape shift if you shape shift? I guess that's <laughs> a perfect explanation for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder what that vehicle initially would have looked like. You know, if that just if he just changes it all the time. I don't know. That's a pretty cool vehicle. Was it a, was it does it be like where they flew off? Is that what it is? Is that what its basic form is? And it's just shape shifting into a car? That's a good question. Tom. Yeah, I, it, I, you know, we can't be sure unless he tells us. You know, this is how it was created because <laughs> it could have just <laughs> shape shifted. I also enjoyed that Supergirl was a little bit more of a like supporting character this episode, and right. she really shined as that. Like most of the time, the focus is right on her, but she like I'll give Melissa Benoit's credit. Like she knew when when to be channel like her inner Supergirl and when to step back and let John Jones take over. It was it was it was perfect. Right, and the majority of episodes have to be Supergirl has to be the lead because it's Supergirl shows. You know, season premieres, season always have to be Supergirl stuff. But every once in a while, it's nice for her to sort of take a backseat. Let some of these supporting characters that have been around a long time, let them sort of get a main role. A Martian, an episode set on Mars, obviously should have more Martian Manhunter. Agreed. All right. Well, on to The Flash. We get another very lighthearted episode featuring the villain, if you want to call her that, Hazard. What do you think of this episode? I thought, first of all, she had the worst luck I've ever seen at the start. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty rough. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, that's that's one of those things that's definitely played up for comedic effect. Um, But, yeah, she definitely did have some terrible luck. And I also think that we could see someday an episode of Maury where the thinker's on there and Robocop's trying to find out if he's actually his father. (laughs) Because he's pretty close looking. Like, I would buy that the thinker's Robocop's father any day of the week. That's a really good point. You know, I was thinking he looked familiar, like, in that costume or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's a really good point. That's got to be what it is. Look, he looks, he looks very similar to Robocop, which I kind of love, like the co- a couple of them anyway. And it was, I just, that's a, I'll, every time, that's what I think first when I see him. It's like, Robocop's there. Yeah, <laughs> the classic Peter Weller look. Uh, well, what would you think of, we got to see more of the thinker. He's apparently researching metas, uh, looking for people, you know, we know trying to collect them or something. What would you think of that sort of behind the scenes look at the thinker? I like like that a lot, actually. And it's like essentially the last 10 minutes, they're, they're letting you know, a lot of the thinkers plan, well, the basic start of his plan anyway, that he sent the samurai to get them to get flash commands so that the metas would be creative. And this is all part of his plan, which is amazing. And now more than ever, I think that they're just click, they're all the team flashes just collecting the metas for the thinker. Like he's once the all 12 are collected, he's going to go in and extract them and whatever he, whatever he, he wants to use them for, he's going to do. Yeah, that's a, a really good point, and it, it looks like a very smart way to handle all of these villains. You know, we got to see a return of past villains in this episode just in the background in the bus scene. So I'm really curious what the thinker's planning to do with all of them. Uh, I wish, I kind of wish his scenes had a couple that were, where he had a couple one-liners that were a little goofy and sort of made him less intimidating, but not a big deal. But what do you think, again, of it being so so much comedy i was i was talking to uh salvatore chief on twitter about that actually he raised the exact same question and it kind of is uh, some of the comedy's forced so it's making me enjoy it a little less because there are some very funny moments in this uh episode but like you said i think you should keep the thinker completely like dark and scary and not like cracking wisecracks and 
stuff like you said i like you should make him a very scary individual because he has a look of a scary look so why not build that up even more i think they're misstepping a little bit when it comes to jokes because of the outcry from the last two seasons of it being so dark like we do need some seriousness in flash and some light hardness but they got to find the, the, the good mix between it yeah they definitely need to find the right balance and i think last week everything was funny so it worked for me this week most of it still worked and i still enjoyed it um but definitely you know i think they can find some serious moments in there to sort of just to provide a little bit of that um something like legends of tomorrow is all lighthearted uh comedy for the most part and not seriousness and i think you know the flash is almost moving that way in you know not having the right balance i think that season one was terrifically well balanced i didn't think season two or three were that bad but there was always a heavy weight over barry so i get where they're coming from with that um so it's gonna be something tricky to balance and i think they'll figure it out by the middle of i agree i also think that you do have the flash is supposed to be right in the middle because you got your legends on one side of the spectrum and arrow on the other and right. flash is the one right in the center with comedy and seriousness yeah and absolutely it, they got to find that back. But there were, there were funny moments in it. Like when Cisco was like, you have failed this city playing, playing laser tag. That was hilarious. I, I busted a gut at that one. Well, anything with Cisco doesn't count for criticism because he just pulls off the goofiest things. It makes him hilarious. Which, which brings me back to understanding a little bit why people were criticizing how much they didn't like, like angry Cisco last season when he found out about Flashpoint and that. It kind of made, yeah, what you said makes more sense now. Uh, when people were complaining about it, but I thought that was just a little story arc for him. But I also loved him and Harry's relationship because we got the return of Harry in this yep. episode, and he's he's my personal favorite of the of the Wellses. And him and Cisco's relationship is perfect. And I thought it was pretty brutal of uh, Jesse to not only uh, vote her father out of the group, but then send them off to another Earth with a breakup cue. Yeah, yeah. What is Jesse Jesse up to? Well, but that that doesn't make her look very good. No, like, is she hanging around with the Earth 2's version of Captain Cold? Because she's cold as ice now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. She, uh, I could see her kicking out her dad just because I could see him get him overbearing and stuff, but you could at least have a conversation with Wally. Yeah, I, I didn't see her being the kind of person that would use that breakup cube. Like, personally, I would love if that invention existed like 10 years ago. It would have been great. <laughs> Because, like, breaking up is, like, the worst possible thing to do of all time. It's just terrible, but <laughs> I understand how no one would like that. No one's going to ever love that cube, so. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that cube really helping, but maybe maybe that Earth has figured it out. Um, but speaking of Jesse, I kind of feel bad for Wally in this episode. It gets broken up with, and then he's gone forever, and nobody notices. He's like, hey, you guys noticed I was missing? Yeah, I, I felt even worse about that because I didn't notice he wasn't there either. Until <laughs> I was going to say that, that too. That's I was terrible. like, oh man, I was basically saying like, oh, I'm sorry, Wally, my bad. Like I was saying it as he was as he was telling him. I was like, oh my God, I forgot that you even existed here for a little bit. Yeah, but in, in our defense, I guess, he's always sort of in the background and Barry's saving everything. Wally just shows up when they really need backup, so... You know, that's kind of, you kind of expect if Barry's not there, you know he's missing, but he's always there. Whereas I'd Wally's like, always in the background. I'd like to see Wally join up with the Legends, to be honest with you, after the crossover. I think that would be pretty cool. But I have a question for you. Harrison Wells was out walking around, uh, trying to detect dark matter, just wearing sunglasses, the ultimate disguise, and had no <laughs> transmagnification device at all. So, like, are they going to address that at all? Yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, I thought that too. I'm like, I guess, I guess the sunglasses work. You know, they're not in a very public place, so maybe they can let that slide. But maybe just everyone on that earth has forgot about Wells two years later. Yeah, he only caused that gigantic explosion. <laughs> yeah, he, he only everybody hates him. Uh, well, maybe, maybe they moved on. I thought it was great how he saved the day in the end. Right, yeah. I'm, and I'm glad to have Tom Cavanaugh back, for sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure he directs the next episode as well. Oh, yeah. I knew he was going to do one. It was so soon. I think it's the next episode. Uh, the other thing, like, how do you not check the samurai masks for every possible like anything like how did they miss that and leave a camera there especially after re- what reverse flash did in season one basically having a camera everywhere they ever walked or went to yeah i i don't know um the, you know there's this story reasons being they needed to but there's also i don't know they just they only you know pay attention to the tech when they really need to whip something up yeah they really they're they're really lax in the security department oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh Star Lab security is pretty horrible. Like, I thought Barry inherited, like, a lot of stuff from Wells. You think he could afford a couple security cards? <laughs> yeah, he must have afforded, uh, inherited a lot of money. Wells, too, to still support Star Labs. I mean, what's the electric bill on that? I was just going to say. I can't imagine. Maybe he can use some flash energy to power it. I don't know. Uh, kind of weird. Let's hope that's not, not what they resort to making Wally to just be the battery for Star, for Star Lab. <laughs> right. All right, so Legends of Tomorrow, we meet Zari, and what do you think of her? I thought Zari was pretty cool, actually, and the hacking ability, but the, the really cool thing was the, is it, I think it might be the wind totem. I'm not sure exactly what it's called. Right. I know first when I seen it, I thought it was going to be the fire totem because it was red, but it is the wind totem, and there's five elemental totems, and the, the water assassin, as they call her, was actually uh, Mary McCabe's sister, Kuasa, right. who had the water totem. And we've seen all this in Vixen Season 1 and 2, the animated show. And if anyone hasn't watched that, they should get a... It's quick, it's not that long, and it's actually very fun. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Right, there's just two 30-minute episodes. If you want more backstory on it, I think they're kind of either expecting you to do that or going to give more Kuasa's background in the future. Um, yeah, I like Zari too. She kind of comes off, you know, as the mysterious, you know, doesn't want to talk, doesn't want help or anything at first, but then I think she's going to start to come around and be part of the team, which I'm glad for. And they also didn't stick, they didn't wait very long before, you know, getting, giving her the powers. You know, I was worried that she would be a hacker for a long time, but they did not spend a lot of time on that. Which was great. And I also thought that I've seen, well, I don't know about chemistry, but Mick is very interested in her from what I've seen all episode. Like, he loved reading her rap sheet, and he could tell he was very interested in her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There, I could definitely see the seeds of something being... Also, what the hell are this? What <laughs> has gotten into you guys? Like, Yeah, that's not really surprising um, that Argus would try to take so much control. Uh, that, you know, everything there seems like something Amanda Waller could do. Even if, you know, this Amanda Waller is gone, I, I think they could find similar people to do that. Which is tough to watch. Everything going on, but I guess they can prevent that future. Well, I think, but like the anti metahuman act, uh, they talked about uh, coming about in 2021. When we talk about Arrow next, I'm thinking that this is a storyline that's going to be thrown around in a couple of the shows because, like, they spoke about this same. Well, maybe what I think is the start of this anti metahuman act in Arrow. We'll talk about that later. But uh, like, they're gone full authoritarian. Argus is like the way that they're experimenting with those metahumans and 
Like that was terrible. They were kids. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, oh, it's absolutely horrible. <laughs> um, like no question. Uh, I just didn't find it terribly surprising with it being Argus, but that's a good point. I could see them. Uh, they said 2021, right? Yeah. I could see a slow build up to that, and maybe that being the crossover piece. Um, in 2021, you know, um, a MetaHuman Registration Act, something like that, where everybody has to act against. You know, that's been touched on before. Smallville did the the Vigilante Registration Act, um, and it's been done in other places too. I could definitely see that, and I think that could make a long a story, it, a long sort of a long form story that builds up to the crossover, and it affects each of the individual shows. But that's four years from now. So if we get to there, you know, if all these shows get to there, I think that could that's definite possibility. If that happens, then I'm going to pull like a Wayne's World and be like, we're not worthy to the, the writers and executive producers of these shows because the plan out for four years ahead, that would be unreal. <laughs> I, I'm sure they have like a loose structure and then they just sort of name drop things and then sometimes they ended up coming true. Uh, but I, I'd be more impressed that you, you sort of called it this far ahead. Oh yeah, but I just thought it was just going to be focused on more, ter- more in terms of like just Green Arrow and like because he's went through that storyline in the comics where he's had his identity out of, and they're doing it now in the new in the new Green Arrow comics, which I thoroughly enjoy. But when I seen that metahuman prison, it took me back to reading back in when Smallville was still on the go about a possible Green Arrow movie where he escaped escaped from a metahuman prison. Yeah, and escaped that's from wow. That's all. That's all it took me back to. I was like, oh my god, if this could ever happen, like it would have to be like a five or six episode arc, but it would be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. I think if if Oliver's identity gets officially out there, I think they could, I could see them doing an escape from Supermax. I still would love to see a movie like that. Um, it's a really cool concept. What What did you think of Kuasa? Because like she owns several legends, and she knows what uh, Amaya doesn't know about her ancestry. Yeah, she is. She was scary. <laughs> um, definitely <laughs> intimidating. You know, we don't get a lot about her other than she shows up and messes some people up comes back later to do it again uh so i thought cool and scary and i hope to see you know i hope they continue to develop develop that i guess we learned from ray that she tastes horribly <laughs> <laughs> you're right that's what he said after she almost choked him yeah but uh i also love the whole uh time bureau learning that you don't play chicken with the legends right yeah well, that's not gonna work <laughs> yeah they're crazy um pretty fun thing like the time bureau at this point is just sort of annoying to me um i'm hoping they get more interesting stuff to do but I, it makes sense for them to sort of be an antagonist to the legends uh we don't uh well i'm putting my vote in now i don't see gary getting through the full season uh <laughs> it's, it's my vote now and i think that's what'll bring the legends and the uh time bureau to work together at the end what do you think is gonna happen to poor gary I don't know. I think he'll just be like casualty. Like he's like he can't do anything. Like it's Gary. <laughs> he's useless. Yeah, <laughs> he pretty much is, except that he can like hop from time to time. And I just see so like if that if if Kuasa saw him when he was watching, there would be no more Gary. He would be gone. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's a fair point. So I just don't. I don't. I kind of see him being the one that his sacrifice or his death being the thing that brings the time bureau and the legends together in the air. And maybe it's that threat that uh, Rip is scared of. Maybe that's what kills Gary. That's but a that's a good that'll point. Be, that'll be a ways away yet for that before that happens. <laughs> yeah, but that's a that's a cool thing to look at. We also get you know Nate and Amaya sort of tripping out with uh, drugs, which they must like <laughs> drunk and or high Nate. The writers, 
uh, just back to back weeks. Uh, any, what'd you think of this? I thought that was pretty funny, especially the Nate part when he was quoting the Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my God. I was, and she was like, Gideon was like, Mr. Hayward, the, the engines are still idling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he, he was a little better last week drunk, but he still had some good, good lines and good moments this episode. Yeah. I somehow, I don't think that, I think that he had more personal experience with last week's episode than this week's. Yeah. That's a good point. He, <laughs> he seemed really out of it this week. <laughs> so on to Arrow. Uh, we've got Diggle as Green Arrow now. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I'm just gonna try to save my size until the end. All right. While I was watching it, first thing I before I hit play, I was assuming I was gonna hear uh, Dig do his own intro. Oh, they should but have. I see that happening next week because, like, in the, like it basically recapped Oliver asking Dig to be Green Arrow. So I got a feeling this week he'll be this week coming will be Dig's own intro which i'm excited to hear yeah i hope so they need to do that and his his scenes like the first scene where you could tell that he wasn't firing arrows but that is because oliver would have just like used his grappling hook uh, grappling arrow to shoot down and like go down after instead he used a canary cry to land on a car which was like that was that was pretty badass yeah and he gets to he gets to stab someone in the side of the uh some cool diggle action well, you get to see so far, how far he's come. Like in season one, Oliver would tune, and season two, Oliver used to tune Diggle up all the time when sparring. And Diggle is owning everybody and everybody now when it comes to hand to hand combat. It's awesome. Yeah, he's uh he's definitely skilled. And I'm I'm glad to see more of Diggle, but I think uh Diggle in action. But I think I don't know. It's interesting. I think I'm sort of. I don't think it's going to trick the uh, lady who's investigating things. You know, now it's just, well, where'd Spartan go? Is he just being Green Arrow? So I don't know if that's going to trick them. I was just about to ask you that because I'm lo- I'm loving the fact that the FBI isn't, isn't just giving up. Yeah, and she's not a pushover. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm sure she's going to find out everything if she hasn't. Already. Well, you can tell she's trying to uh, she's trying to bring get her legislation that'll go against vigilantes. And the one thing I didn't understand when she was talking to Oliver, she was like, I wouldn't want to work for you and be in that police force where you, you're endorsing vigilantes and saying that vigilantes should help with the police force. And I'm like, uh, this is an age where metahumans exist. If I was a cop, I would love to have Green Arrow as backup if we ever went up against a metahuman or anything. Right, like, yeah. Burglaries and stuff, that's okay. But Yeah, I think you would definitely want the this team on your side, You know, knowing the kind of threats that are out there. Uh, so yeah, I can see that, but I could also see being annoyed. Like you also look incompetent at your job. If oh, Green Arrow always has to save the day, I'm sure if they've seen uh, a, met, a grad, for example, I don't think they, <laughs> I don't think they could play. I say they'd be running, being like Green Arrow, save me. Yeah, <laughs> they'd probably set their pride aside for grad or someone like that. I could, yeah, that's a good point. I also thought it was great how Dinah's now on the like. And SCPD, like you're showing it more because you're getting easier access to crime scenes for Team Arrow rather than the mayor got to show up or Lance got to try and like compromise to get in some information or they got to try to hack it. Now you got somebody on the field at all times, which is great. Yeah, it's smart to have someone on the inside. So I'm, I'm like, a, but I guess we also, you know, we got William and, you know, Felicity tutoring William, uh, and Felicity and Oliver getting closer together any thoughts on that uh i enjoyed that actually and like this they're finally touching on it after the finale in season five of they gave william some space to let process everything but after oliver seen the way that 
William interacted with Felicity, he was he was all in, borrowing Justice League term there. Uh, <laughs> and he was all for it. And I thought he was a little forward in giving her a key, but I don't think he asked her to move in. I think he just like said, you can show up at any point in time. Maybe I could be wrong there. Uh, but th- maybe that's what he meant was move in. But uh, I thought that was a little much, but they seem perfect for it. But what's going to happen when he goes back to being Green Arrow? Because uh, like, I know that there's that itch got to be in him when he's like hearing her talk about the stuff on the phone. Like he got to want to know what's going on. Oh yeah. Um, I don't think he'll, I didn't give them credit for doing a full episode without him. I mean, he was back in the arrow cave, but you know, not in the suit. And I give them credit. I hope they do that for a little longer, but I don't think it'll be two or three episodes that he's out of costume, which is even still, it shows how far arrows come. Because like in the first two seasons, you could never do that. Like having out for salt for that many episodes and having not doing any Green Arrow things. Like this show is built up a lot of characters on its own, and like Adam is a great example of that. Like this show has given a lot of characters a start, and Diggle's like storyline and depth of characters gone so far now that he can take over Green Arrow. We can believe it, and we can actually like root for him and like. It, I must say, it's, like it just shows how good it is when shows last five, six, seven seasons. You got so much to draw back on. Oh yeah, yeah. Now it's sort of it, you know they can build on themselves at that point. And they referenced the like I think it was a six or seven episode there with the Raw Flush Gang. Well, their take on it, and that was the first episode where Oliver stepped outside the list, and I loved how they brought that back because it was mainly Diggle. Diggle tricked them to show up at the crime scene and or at the hospital, and Diggle. Like gotten look outside the list, and Oliver's a pretty big master now with speeches, so he just turned that right around and used it to motivate Dig. Yeah, I'm I'm always a fan. I'm always a sucker for you know callbacks to earlier seasons, earlier episodes, specific stuff like that. So I love when they sort of use their history in their favor rather than you know oh well this one time I when I was in the military this happened or whatever. You can actually reference past events on the show. And it's been so long that it's almost a fresh story, and it's not it doesn't seem redundant. It sort of can be used. Agreed. Did you think that the team was a little bit more uh, military style with Dig as leader? Because that's what I felt like this whole episode. That's a good point. Uh, I think that's a good. You know, not looking back, I kind of think so, and I think that helps in some ways and, and hurts in some others. But uh, yeah, that is a good point. Diggle's definitely got his military training for everything. What about? Uh... Diggles, I, I feel like you would you would have loved that when gave him the crossbow at the end of the episode because like that was just felt me like callback for Smallville Green Arrow. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, definitely cool to see. I guess we get to see Dig shooting an arrow now. Uh, but at what cost? Well, so. we we think first that he's just he said that it's just cured. No one asked any questions about it, and I'm like, how did you even do that? And unfortunately, at the end of the episode, we see that. Digs in the back of an alley buying some serum to help with his with his nerve. So I don't know. I don't know. First of all, this really, really disappoints me from season one, Diggle, to now that he would actually resort to this when your friends cured paralysis. I'll say that <laughs> one more time. Your friends cured paralysis. I'm sure they can help. <laughs> yeah. So you you love that ending, man. I was I was like I was loving the Green Arrow dig. I was like, yes, this is this is manageable. I, I, I'm on board with this. I'm enjoying this. And I was like, oh man, dig. Like what what the frig? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem very diggle like. Um, 
but again we talked about pride i guess he's he's got the pride and he doesn't want to share with people he wants to help i can't imagine that drug is going to be good for him in the long term and i'm sure we will be coming back to that pretty soon oh i'm certain it's going to be kind of like uh like the effects will be less and less each time he uses it so he'll have to use more and people are going to start to notice side effects and stuff i i'm pretty sure that's where we're going but one thing i was really happy about and that uh brent from Suez, from fans without borders and dc tv squadcast was saying that he was wasn't happy that dig was out in the field oliver asked dig to go out in the field when he had a son and dig they addressed that right away which yeah. i thought was great they were like oliver was like i don't think it's fair that i asked you that and dig just said like i made my peace with this line go and my thinking with that was still that the that baby john got lila regardless and yes she works for argus but she also got a lot of security. Like, there's a lot. Like, there, it'll be really hard to get at her and her son. So I can understand why Diggle has a little bit of peace of mind when it comes to the, going out in the field when he does have a son. Yeah, uh, that's a tricky, tricky way to look at it. I definitely understand Diggle having peace with it and Oliver being the only parent remaining uh, for William. Yeah, that's a tough situation. But, I mean, if either of them go, you know, if either of them, something happened to either of them, you know, that would not be good for their sons. So, oh, not at all tough to tough to look at that but i mean when we think about the legends when star city uh diggle's son there john jr was you could tell he had a lot of pride for his father and just wished that he could be as good as he was and could have saved his life right. so i'm thinking maybe regardless i gotta think that they would love like the hooter father was and how they saved lives i'm sure william's gonna be okay with it at a certain point he's gonna tell his dad you gotta go back for the city right you called that last week and i think that's a good point, and I think that'll eventually happen. Um, but I don't think he's there yet. No, well, you're, I got a feeling you're going to see every character, every part, person of the team show up at their at his apartment at some point in the next two or three episodes, asking him to come back. And his son's going to realize, especially he'll probably see something on TV about Deathstroke attacking or Black Siren attacking or something, and he's going to be like, "Dad, you need to go back. Like the city needs you." Yeah, that's a. I, I think I think that's a brilliant thing, and I think they're going to do that eventually. Um, everybody's going to stop in for advice or for something. That's a that's definitely possible. Well, anything else on Arrow this week? No, that's about it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Besides Diggle compromising his integrity at the <laughs> episode, other than Diggle going against everything he stands for, it wasn't bad. Yeah, like uh, I'll tell you, but there is a lot of pressure on in that. So yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to give it a pass for it, but I'll be understanding and I'll listen. I'll wait for the explanation. Yeah. Um, hopefully that gets resolved pretty soon. Uh, how are you doing on Gotham? You any more caught up? I watched four more episodes on Wednesday, so I wow. what I, I have nine left. Well, this yeah. week, this week, you know, Professor Pig was introduced. Uh, scary dude. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, Lucifer, you know, nothing, nothing terribly exciting in that. A lot of Tom Welling this episode, uh, so we got to see a lot of Pierce and Chloe. So pretty, you know, it's a Lucifer episode, very Lucifery. How's Tom Welling doing in that role? Huh? It's I like it because I like Tom Welling so much, so I'm enjoying it. Um, but you know that could be my bias there. I don't know. I think he's. I wonder if he's fully comfortable being kind of a bad guy. He's not a bad guy, but he's uh kind of a jerkish uh, boss. So I think he's doing well with most of it, and I'm liking it. Oh, that's awesome! Okay, I'm gonna have to catch up on that one. Yeah, there's a lot to watch. Oh man, it's just <laughs> never ending, and now we got movies coming out. And- Oh, oh, can't wait for the crossover. <laughs> oh, is, is there a DC movie coming out? 
I think so. I'm like, uh, there, there's, there's a simple trailer type for it. Oh, okay. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we've got for today. Travis, let everybody know where they can get a hold of you. Uh, you can get a hold of me at Travis underscore one five six on Twitter. Drop me a line. We can talk DCCW or anything DC. Or if you want to start making plans for the breakup queue, drop me a DM and maybe we can start working on some schematics. <laughs> there you go. Some business opportunities. I like it. All right. Well, that's all we've got for today. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. And make sure to check out DC Daily Drop on Twitter, Facebook, and DCDailyDrop.com. Drop by tomorrow for more DC news.